Welcome back to That's Kind of Wavy. We're your hosts. I'm Chasel. And I'm Jill. Hey guys. So uh, Nikki's not going to be on today's episode and it's probably going to be missing like episodes whenever they need to miss them. Just like a lot of life things happening, being busy and stuff, but they'll be joining us whenever they get a chance to. And like we definitely understand because life is so overwhelming all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but of course, Nikki is always a part of the team and of course, welcome whenever they have the opportunity to be on. Of course, of course. But like Jill and I want to continue doing this. So we we're still here. And like and like Jill said, and like I said, like Nikki will be back whenever they have an opportunity to. So it's all good. Yes. Okay. Well, now that that's aside, <laughs> how have you been, Jill? Um, I Oh my god, hold on, my voice is all screwed. <laughs> well, um, I got sick over the weekend, so that was not the plan or the vibe, but I'm chilling. Um aside from that, I don't know, I had a fun Halloween. It was a great October month for watching horror movies. I think I watched like thirty, I feel, not one every day, but like sometimes two on a weekend. So productive in that sense but other than that I don't really know what I've been doing now I can't remember anything because I'm like I've been sick everything else is flowing out the window that yeah. sucks it started <laughs> yesterday right I on Friday I had like a sore throat and I was like oh maybe it's just allergies that's what I think every time and it's never allergies so like I have to just start accepting that that means I'm gonna be sick and then Yep, then I had a fever. I'm like, damn, I haven't had a fever in so long. I can't remember what it's like, and it sucks. Dude, they fucking <laughs> suck. I mean, getting sick in general, but, like, I also hadn't really exp- experienced fevers for a long time, like, when I get periodically sick here and there with a the cold, but, like, post-COVID and with COVID and everything, even the times that, like, I have not been sick with COVID over the past couple of years, like, it's still every time, almost every time I get a fever now, and it you forget how fucking... <laughs> uncomfortable and painful it is to have one yeah yeah it sucked i'm sorry you've been (laughs) sick jill that really sucks yeah damn it's all right i had to miss a concert yesterday and my friend's birthday but (laughs) like i don't know what to say because it's not like an oh well it's sad that i had to miss that stuff but i had to be responsible and not get other people sick because that happened to me on my birthday a month ago like how am i getting sick twice within two months that's so frustrating i've been having the same this year i mean i have not on what i haven't been sick like recently but earlier this year i feel like i had like like at least four to five times which is more than i would usually have that i was like really fucking sick like what the hell i know i remember every time you're like this is the sickest i've ever been yes (laughs) like what is happening and and, like i think one of the times was definitely covid but the other times it was like strap and like other stuff and i'm like why is it hitting so hard like has has the fact that covid's been my body just made everything so much more intense it's maybe insane probably i don't know maybe you because you haven't had that stuff in a long time too it's like that's true remembering how bad it really feels yeah that's definitely true well i'm sorry anyways i hope that you feel better (laughs) thank you i appreciate that um what have you been up to in the last i also 
I'm also like completely <laughs> blinking, but I, I'm, I'm trying to remember some things. I also watched, I mean, it, just, it feels crazy that October was already over, but I also watched a lot of scary movies and just a lot of like movies in general. I was, I was pretty good about it. I was watching them like almost every single day, which feels so good to be productive with like hobbies that you care a lot about like that. It does feel like you're being productive, even if you don't think you're being productive with like, I don't know, quote unquote, like more important things that we like value in society. So right. that was good. By the end of October, I kind of slowed down. I think I was busier because I was going to perform at a festival, which like went really well and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was that was fun. And um, yeah, but I had been going to Music Box a lot, which like, I mean, I fucking love Music Box. I go there all the time. And I had like a 10 film pass for the month since they were playing scary movies every day. And I like slowed down because by the end of the month, I felt betrayed by Music Box. And I still do because in Chicago, the uh, Chicago Film, Chicago International Film Festival was happening in mid-October as well. And there was a movie called Late Night with the Devil that was playing at Music Box that was supposed to be covered by my 10 film pass. And I get there and they told me that I have to go in the rush line, which is like the line that it's basically for the film festival if like you know if they have extra spots and you can get in even though it was guaranteed to go or guaranteed to get in with my pass that was really annoying however i got to see it later the later in the week so that's good but i missed the q a with the lead actor um so, wait whatever happened did you ever email them i did that? they haven't responded damn I know. Shady. I've been. I know. I've been thinking. Okay, like, I gave them some grace because I was thinking. Okay, like I emailed them while they were still also in the middle of the film festival, so maybe they got busy or whatever. But also, like now there's no excuse, and like y'all are being annoying. And part of me is like, I want to let it go. Part of me is like the principle, the fact that I want you guys to acknowledge that you did this because it was shitty. Like that was like one of the movies that I accounted for when paying for this film pass. You know, right. like yeah. it was. It was for more than just that one. But if I knew that that was even a possibility, and I like read between the lines afterwards and everything as well to make sure that I didn't do anything wrong and like they guaranteed other movies you had to like for movies that were likely to sell out that were hosted through music box like you could get your ticket individually for that one ahead of time with your pass but with the film festival ones they said that that you just have to come like you know the night of the showing or whatever so that's really annoying but I did get to see the movie afterwards which is good um and it was really good late night with the devil I recommend yeah, I want to see it I, I don't know. You, if, is there like a way to watch it on streaming? No. Okay. So the thing is, it's gonna like a lot of these movies haven't been released yet officially. But when this happened to me, maybe now that it's been a couple of weeks, like maybe something has changed with it. But at least when I was trying to like find out more information online, there was no release date in the future. Like there is going to be a release date. Like this movie isn't just for the festivals, but there's nothing that we found online about it. And it's weird because it has like, it's not some like. I mean, it is more like, I don't know, more obscure than like other mainstream films, maybe, but it's not like some obscure, like small indie film. Like it has still like well-known actors and stuff. I don't remember the lead actor's name, oh. but he's been in like big, big movies before, like a lot of times. So I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. yeah that was a good movie. Um, Glad I got to see it. And then, yeah, I, I performed at Sanctum Music Festival uh in chicago and that was a lot of fun and i performed on halloween as well at the california clipper which is also fun it's been nice to like dj again after taking a break for like two months it's, it's inspired me to dj more at home too so yeah those things have been good just like very stressed right now applying to grad schools and everything my brain kind of feels like mush but you know that's yeah, life <laughs> i can imagine yeah <laughs> dude yeah. i mean I won't get too into it, but applying to grad schools is just, 
it's no joke, which like, I mean, I, I would expect like no less, but it's just crazy how when we're younger and we're applying to colleges and everything, I was able to do all of that by myself and like, and it's okay if people needed help with that and stuff, but it felt like even though it was overwhelming and stressful and I was, you know, I was in school all day and I'd have to come home to do that and have extracurriculars and whatever else, like something about it, like, and still being in the headspace of school made it more accessible. And granted it is because these applications that they ask for now do ask for a lot more and expect a lot more experience in your life because you are typically older when you go to grad school, even if it's like right after college. But yeah, it's just difficult. So I got a, I got like a consultant that I found like a freelancer oh. who works. With, yeah. So that, that's been really helpful because she's helped like break down some things for me and stuff and it just helped, has helped me keep, has helped keep me accountable and feel yeah. a little more reassurance. I could definitely see how that would be helpful. Yeah, it's, it was definitely, and it wasn't like too expensive or anything. And it was definitely worth the money. So we'll see. It's just all these grad schools too, like they just make it so scary. Like, I mean, I remember when I was younger applying to colleges, like some schools that were more competitive definitely made you like kind of scared to apply to them. But every single grad school, like, I don't know, PhD programs are already so competitive because they typically select maybe six people a year for certain programs, including my type of program. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but then especially with even more competitive schools, they do this thing where I don't know, it honestly feels like fear mongering and like they make it seem like it's going to be impossible for you to get in. Like I've attended webinars and stuff, which is like, I, I get why they do it. And also like you can, you can elicit the fact that you are a competitive school and expect a lot without being like, yeah, basically if you don't do all these things, it's like a, a death wish and like getting in a PhD programs at all. It's like, okay, well fuck me, I guess. Like, oh my God. <sighs> I mean, anyways, yeah, it just like can't be true also. I like, know. Exactly. exceptions all the time. Exactly. So it'll, it'll be fine. It's just stressful right now. And like, it's very easy with in like the glimpse of a second to be like, I can't do it. <laughs> you know? But oh like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they'll be like, I'll just not. You're right. Right. <laughs> and to me right now, I'm like, it's not even an option. Like I, well, for me, I know I want a PhD period and I know that I want to start this next year. So it's just like, it's like, it's not an option, but oh my God, it's like literally within a day, I go through at least like five, five moments of like, I can't do it. And it's like, well, I fucking have to. So I fucking have to figure out how. Right. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Are you okay. applying for fall 2024? Yeah. Oh, okay. I like was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, I don't remember how college works. Right. Right. Now. <laughs> I mean, some it's for the most part, like it is still pretty, especially for PhD programs, everyone that I've found, it's still pretty standard. Like every single one I've seen is for fall. But I mean, there are some programs that are confusing, like some types of masters are like starting in the spring and stuff like that. But yeah, no, every program that I'm looking at starts in the fall. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They need a lot of time for your applications though, because like almost like universally, like literally every single PhD program that I know of, the latest date to submit your applications is like December 5th. And almost all of them are like December 1st. Damn. Yeah. Like it's, and it's weird because you don't, you don't start until like a year later, basically. Yeah. So I don't really know why they need that much time, but wow. anyways, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, our topic today is not related to any of them. <laughs> But today, um, we're talking about a very interesting subject and like no judgment in me saying that it just is something that is like an interesting societal phenomenon. Uh, Just like, I don't even know how to like call a general topic. Like the concept of things like um, people 
providing certain services for other people that are typically intimate, but like not sex work, like things like cuddling with other people. Um, and then Jill, I, you can explain more about the specific person that you're talking about because I don't quite get the gist of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I will dive in. So um, I can't even remember when I saw this, maybe like one or two years ago now, I saw something on Twitter that was like, look at this Japanese man who is paid to do nothing. Um, and I was like, oh, uh, like slay. I want to do that too. <laughs> um, but it's basically this guy who like, what is the, what's that one app where you can like rent people to do stuff? Um, oh my God. I know. What you're, uh, like, Task like, Rabbit? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Task yeah. Rabbit. Yeah. Well, it's like that, but it's like just him. So he's not like on an app. Like it's just him and you can pay him to do like literally anything, not like services like that, but like anything where you just like need a person to like be there or like hang out with you. Like he, he's been paid to like stand in lines for things, um, to like go out to dinner with people, like go to people's like divorce paper signings like stuff like that where like you just like need a person to like be around you but you don't necessarily want to like interact with them um so the the story that they open with in this article about him was that there was a woman who was recently divorced in japan and she wanted to go out to eat at her favorite restaurant but she felt that she couldn't because she didn't want to think about her recent divorce while she was there so she called up this guy the do nothing guy and he came and had dinner with her didn't initiate any conversation, only responded when he was prompted to. Um, and this lady was like, it was honestly literally the best thing ever. She's like, I felt like I was with someone, but at the same time felt like I wasn't. Um, since he existed in a way where I didn't have to be attentive of his needs or think about him, she felt no awkwardness or pressure to speak. And it may have been the first time she said where she's eaten in complete silence. So apparently, like in Japan and South Korea, there has been a huge industry um, for years about renting strangers to like impersonate friends or family members or other acquaintances like at social gatherings where a plus one is expected so if I, there's definitely a fucking movie about this with Emma Roberts and some random guy where she like hires someone to be her plus one at a wedding or something and then she like ends up actually dating him but it's like that kind of concept where it's like I'm you don't want to feel movie. the pressure <clears throat> I think it's called the holiday so it's like every holiday she like hires him to be her date until they like actually fall in love. Which oh, is corny, but I did like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean the reviews are bad. Yeah. Um, but like I understand the, the like wanting to do that because it's sometimes it's hard to find a plus one that you don't want to feel like awkward around or feel like there is some type of pressure to like I don't know like expect something afterwards um i don't know like if, if you could imagine that they would want something romantic or like expect something like that afterwards like let's just avoid that altogether so he charges he charges like 65 dollars a session um and he's most frequently hired to accompany people who are at a turning point in life or want to rewrite traumatic memories or are facing a vulnerable moment that they feel uncomfortable sharing with friends or family um, he'll be there with no judgment and away from their personal space. So I feel like this guy is kind of like pseudo therapist vibes. Like he doesn't actually like provide any advice or help with like coping mechanisms or like trying to help you actually like reprocess traumatic memories. But he's there as a person who has like no ties to you 
if you feel like you might be like burdensome with telling people your problems or like getting help with that from other people in your life you could just have this person there with like no strings attached um and I could see how that would be helpful for sure no absolutely I feel like just so many thoughts are coming to mind yeah as I'm thinking about like how that actually could be like because obviously you hear that at first and I don't like and I'm not judging right now and I try not to judge with these things but the it's I feel like because of the way that we are in society like across cultures like I I feel like most people would hear that and be like oh there's something strange about that like almost like there's something I don't know uncanny or like eerie about that because it's not quite how we like typically process like relationships and like the people that we like spend time with in general but like as a neurodivergent person I'm hearing these things and it's like actually I see a lot of reasons why someone would do that like like, one of the things that comes to mind like even like body doubling from like the yeah I was thinking that too yeah yeah so it's like I can see how that would be helpful to just have someone to support you through something like even if it's not an emotional thing necessarily just like oh I have another person here and then also from like neurodivergence like in the perspective of like autism and like dealing with social type of things the thought of thought of like having some I love doing things with friends all the time and things like that but like I can see the appeal with not having any expectations with like tending to anyone's needs in that context like even just like conversing about something and not being able not having to obviously you should still be respectful and kind and everything to that person and I'm assuming that there are those guidelines in place but like and the, I mean, those boundaries that are understood between those people. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's like interesting how like I can actually see it being very helpful for a lot of people. And I feel like people can be in a lot of ways more authentically themselves yeah. in those situations. Yeah, because it's like with a friend like you obviously or uh, or like a romantic partner or something. It's like you you still want that person to like you. So you're going to like mask like a little bit, you know, but with this person, right. it's just like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And there there was a lot of, not a lot of, but there was one instance where they mentioned that he went with someone to like a hemorrhoid surgery or like consultation. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, I could see that being like really helpful for people who have quote unquote embarrassing or things that they might feel like shamed about um like health wise like having somebody to share that stuff with because keeping that in can also be like it it can affect you a lot to keep in things that you feel ashamed about as we both know so I'm sure that that would be like so nice to just like have a person who you have no ties to you don't have to feel embarrassed about like talking to plainly about things um yeah I don't know where I was that, going with that. <laughs> that that's so true and it's like because when I, I'll I'll talk more about this like shortly but when I was researching other services that are kind of similar but more specific to like physical intimacy that isn't sex work related so like cuddling um I and yeah just I guess like platonic intimacy platonic physical intimacy I was fuck I'm losing my turn of thought hold on oh yeah with like what you're saying a lot of these people like when advertising their services I've seen them say like that you know like people might have might not have someone like where they are like they might not have family friends in their hometown but even if they do like you said with like a hemorrhoid appointment although like that's obviously no one should be like ashamed or embarrassed for that if you do feel embarrassed by that even if you have your support system like physically close to you you might not want them to go with you to something like that so that's very interesting and I wonder like do you know if do you know if like in the U.S. they have those services I'm sure that they do but is it like as well known I think they do but I've never heard of someone doing that here right me either yeah. Interesting. i mean I'm sh- they probably have stuff like that on like task rabbit 
but you're probably right because i mean yeah. there are there's literally like i've only like i used i've used task rabbit twice and it's been both times to help find someone um to clean my apartment earlier this year and then i never did it again because it was too expensive <laughs> but <laughs> but um I remember like our, our friend Jenny um, one time said that when she was like trying to like get someone to like look at their apartment to sublease to, she had already moved to the other state that she was moving to and she didn't know if someone could be there or, like literally just like hand the keys over to this person to look at the apartment and I was able oh, yeah. to do it but otherwise you could she could have found like a task rep person to literally just stand there and hand the keys which was like <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> right? I'm like I want to do that. And, like right? this guy... He said that the reason he started doing that because he like used to work at all these places and would be told like you have no work ethic and like you're lazy and blah 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 like you don't do anything. So he was like, you know what? I now I have a complex about this and I am gonna do nothing and I'm gonna get paid for it. I'm gonna work work my ass off doing nothing. And he's like literally had like thousands of clients throughout the years. Made. Damn. He's like I am able to support my family like doing this. Damn, we love some like useful type of stubbornness. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nikki would appreciate that. <laughs> right though. Uh, and do you have anything else to say about these like this profession? Or can I move on to like the cuddling services that I found? No, let's move on to the cuddling services. I want to hear okay. about that. So I don't know. I feel like anyone that's been on like it's not that common, but anyone that's been on social media, like particularly like some sort of platform that has weird abs abs weird apps <laughs> <laughs> like snapchat <laughs> has heard of random things. Weird weird abs. Abs. <laughs> pictures of weird abs we need that as an app <laughs> uh, okay well anyways uh, apps that, uh, that show like weird ads periodically like snapchat ran i don't know how it is not happened on snapchat in like a year but i remember it constantly advertising like you will not believe this octomom <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yes though they'll literally sh- literally show pictures of Gigi hadid and be like her <laughs> she'll like allude that she has a drug addiction and then we'll never address it in the actual thing <laughs> snapchat no for real snapchat is like peak tabloids yeah oh, okay well anyways i'm pretty sure that on one of those at one point like a daily mail snapchat type of articles they had something about like professional cuddlers and i don't know maybe like some commentary youtubers have talked about it because i don't really know how i found out about this but i know that people in my life for the most part have at some point heard of this but Anyways, there are these services and there's a lot of different websites for them where you can find like a cuddle buddy person and it's all under the pretense of like they all specify that it's being able to experience like platonic intimacy without expecting more. So like at least every single, I'm sure there are some that exist that are different, but at least all the mainstream ones that I could find very explicitly state that it's like there are the boundaries of like no sexual type of like pressure or anything Um, because obviously then like that, that becomes a little different like verges into sex work territory which isn't necessarily what everyone is looking for in their services and it's just been really interesting like the main the main website which i guess the one that says that they started this all like years ago in the early 2000s is called cuddle comfort and yeah they really harp on the fact that it's a service where you can create friendships based on cuddling without the expectation of more and they like talk about how you might want this with like a, a friend that you already know but like you might risk making the relationship weird basically by asking if you want to cuddle with them. And the example they show, at least with these like little animations is what looks like, I don't know, 
a man and a woman. Um, so I can see, and the man's the one that asked that. So I can see how this like fake animated woman is like, ew, why are you asking me this all of a sudden? You know, because obviously you assume that there's more and whatever. Yeah. And anyways, so yeah, they say it's hard to ask a friend to engage in cuddling without people feeling like it's a romantic proposition. And obviously you can't really ask strangers if they want to come home and cuddle with you. Uh, they even mentioned that this one isn't as talked about, but I did also mention that some cuddlers host cuddle parties where strangers come together for a communal hug. And I don't know, like I didn't look into this as it made you sign up to do this. And I didn't want to do that. But there's also like a little there was like a little link to if you want to sign up to be a pro cuddler, which yeah. all of these websites allude to that. And I'm not really sure what that is. Like I what I assume is just like someone who like really like professionally does this, you know, and like <laughs> <laughs> and like it's just you like need a at least cuddler. 10 years of experience <laughs> yeah, of right? like, I, don't, I don't know what the credentials are for that but anyways they also interestingly mentioned like some common scenarios so they mentioned like common scenarios where people would want something like this and they mentioned breakups which makes sense but they mentioned specifically oxytocin withdrawal which like for those who don't know oxytocin is a hormone and we typically experience it like a mother and like their child typically experiences it um we experience it whenever we a lot of times that we experience physical intimacy intimacy with someone, it creates like feelings, just like good feelings and feelings of comfort and stuff. And they were talking about how people after breakups, like if they're used to having a lot of physical affection and stuff, and then suddenly not having that, it can naturally increase the already like sad, lonely feelings that you're experiencing. Um, they also mentioned like scenarios where there are frequent travelers, so they can't really establish a relationship where you could be doing that. Um, as well as people who are single and not interested in being in a relationship. And some other websites I found are called like Cuddle List and Cuddle Sanctuary. And they were basically just saying the same ones or the same things. What I found interesting about those though is, or at least about the first one, Cuddle Comfort, is that it kept mentioning that it was a completely free service. So, and that's the original one. So I don't know if in that case, like, it must be people who like mutually want to cuddle and like mutually want to receive cuddling from someone else as opposed to someone who's like just kind of offering their services, which could be them big spooning or just being or being the little spoon with someone. <laughs> yeah. But the other websites definitely mentioned like prices and stuff like that. I typically saw a range of like 65 to 85 for an hour and then it goes up in prices. So you could do like overnight cuddles and like that like I found a woman in particular who charges like who can get up to like a thousand thirty dollars or something from cuddling with someone if they do like an overnight stay damn yeah and like some websites offer like you can like travel like you can ask your person to travel somewhere to meet you there to cuddle but then you know you have like travel fees and whatever else and what I found like interesting is that I went on reddit because I wanted to see like other people talking about their specific experiences doing this. And that's when I realized like the, the, the possible benefits for people who are neurodivergent because there was someone who said that they were 29 and have autism ADHD and ADHD. And they talked about how they felt that their mental health has significantly improved since hiring cuddle therapist. They said that they feel like their depression and social anxiety have basically gone extinct since starting to do this and that it's helped them with like self-love, feel more comfortable. And they talked about how they've had a lot of issues in the past with like, I'm assuming like they, I mean, they said they want to find a girlfriend. So like women and um, talking about how like they have troubles talking to women because of their like social skills. They don't feel very comfortable with it and they get very intense social anxiety whenever they try. But wait. Jill? Okay, I'll explain what happened. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties right now. Jill's computer randomly shut down because it has a mind of its own. Um, but we're back. <laughs> so uh, where was I? Oh, did you? So you, did you hear me talk about like the? Yeah, you were still on when I started talking about the person on Reddit, right? Talking about their yes. experience. Yeah. Um. Did you hear me talk about like their like social anxiety and like self-love and whatever actually I, th- I heard the part about anxiety but yeah just repeat it okay yeah so this person has talked about like just experiencing immense benefits immense benefits from this experience and it was actually like kind of like i don't know it was, it was heartwarming to see this person talk about this because it seems like it was actually very helpful they talked about because of like that they have tried talk therapy before but because of their autism and adhd they couldn't really retain a lot of the information and something about that format wasn't that helpful for them. But in this case, they have just learned how to like love themselves more. And now whenever they go out and might, like, might see someone that they like, um, when they go talk to them, they don't feel as anxious. And if they get rejected, they're like, whatever, because their self-love is just greater now. Um, and they have greater trust in like their, their skills in like talking to people and getting to know them and stuff like that. So I don't know. It was like, I mean, I already wasn't viewing any of this from a judgmental perspective at all, but seeing this person talk about it that way is like, I mean, there's like, I know there's nothing wrong with this. Like people can do whatever they want as long as you're, you're respecting everyone's boundaries involved in something like this, obviously. But it just shows like, I don't know, different things work for different people. And I started thinking also about in this context, like, this person seems like they do eventually want a relationship, but people who are neurodivergent and like don't really seek out a relationship because it doesn't work work with their lifestyle or the way like their intimacy needs are or anything. But clearly, like we're all still human and we do need some level of like physical affection to like I don't know, just just like that's just necessary for humans. Like we have hormones like that, like are dependent on things like that and for connection and whatever. And I think it's like a really interesting and like still cool way for people to be able to meet those needs in ways that are more compatible with their needs. Yeah, I really like that that's like an option, at least for them to have and to know that it has helped people in that way and like helped people to develop their own self-esteem and self-love is like really beautiful to hear. Right, right. Um. Yeah, that's all I have to say about them. I am still curious about, like, I'm I'm curious to hear more stories because it's not like that common. Obviously, like, I don't think that the regular person on the street would like know about these services. And I know that most people on the street hearing this would be like, "What the fuck is that?" You know. But like, right. I don't know. And naturally, a concern does come to mind. Like, I wonder. I'm like, how do they actually enforce safety in those moments in the same way that yeah. sex work is difficult? for a lot of reasons with that being one of them because like you know you don't know what the person's actually going to be like when you show up i know that a lot of these websites have like supposed like very strict guidelines with things like that and you can report users and whatever but i do hope that for the most part it does seem like it but i hope that for the most part no one has ever gotten hurt in any situation like this um and yeah and this person also actually what's interesting this person updated to their post and they said that like sometimes you have to like stop saying the same cuddle therapist because there was one that had been seeing this person for a while and they had like the cuddle therapist decided to end things with them because they started developing actual feelings for them yeah yeah that would be my my train of thought is like how do you like not develop feelings right because the thing is like it's not just it's not just like like they only really like highlight the physical cuddling aspect but it's not just cuddling that they do like they do still like talk and stuff when when they're engaging in this like you do still get to know someone in like a very intimate setting so i'd i don't know even like 
and this is obviously very unethical and like things need to be stopped. This is the case. But even like in, in settings like talk therapy, it is possible for like therapists, like develop feelings. And as long as they don't act on it or anything, then like, it's okay. It's human, whatever. But like, it's possible for that to happen. And that's just with talk therapy, which is still very, very intimate, obviously. But imagine like pairing that with also physical intimacy. I feel like, right. I don't know, I'd find it hard to, I, I feel like I myself would get like mixed in with like feelings or something. So I don't know how, I don't know. That's, that's the way I operate, but obviously not everyone yeah. is like that. So, and, and in this case, like it was fine. They just, the cuddle therapist recognized that and decided to end things with the person. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would that would still be. I don't know. I would I would struggle to like separate the two things, right? Yeah, right. And I think something that would be very hard for me too is like, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way. For me, I definitely need to have. Well, there is there is trust in these contexts in the sense that like you make sure you're under the pretense of specific boundaries based on like the website that you find this person on, and then also you can obviously discuss your specific boundaries and everything, but then that builds trust immediately to an extent. But I feel like at least for me, for any sort of physical intimacy, like I do need to have that trust kind of like existing already with the person, even if it's not sexual, you know? So I, yeah. I wonder, like, I don't know, in some ways I feel like, like I, I mean, I personally am not interested in any of these services or anything, but like putting myself in their shoes, like I wonder, cause I feel like with the way my body reacts to things like, like just like physical touch and everything. Sometimes I feel like I would feel like very uncomfortable with uh, yeah you know, with like a, someone that yeah. I don't know at all in any way like holding me <laughs> or anything so no yeah I mean I also felt the same way I'm like I don't necessarily like cuddling in general even with somebody that I do have feelings for so like this is definitely not a service for me no but, right this is definitely yeah. not for me <laughs> what I found interesting too is like the different ways in which people go about this like some and again like without I'm not saying this funny judgment but there was a man talking about how I think, he, I think he said that he was like 57 and he was saying that like he he never had a kid but sometimes he has like that like that like longing to have a child so like he'll like he like when he hires these services like he wants to hold the cuddle therapist Aww. which obviously can work either way but it's just an interesting perspective and like need for finding yeah. a service like this yeah, and I could see, like, the opposite side of that, of, like, the person who is the cuddle therapist would be like, you know what, yeah, like, this will help heal right. like, my parental wound or, right. or whatever. Yeah. Because we're talking about these services that are kind of, like, I mean, definitely, like, more taboo and also obviously related to connection and everything, we thought we'd discuss a greater topic at hand, which is the loneliness epidemic, which I don't know if a lot of people, like, I'm sure... I'm sure that anyone our age like would agree that we have all felt like lonely in general in our lives and particularly with COVID and everything happening, like everyone experienced that. But it's crazy to think of this being like an actual epidemic now. And the US yeah. the US surgeon um general actually wrote it's like a an eighty-two page statement with like a bunch of information on like what it entails, like the different factors that lead to loneliness, like why it's important to overcome this on like individual relationship communal and then like societal levels but it's it's just like crazy for it to, to think of it becoming serious enough for it to be like an epidemic and I'm not like I'm not shocked at all and I I completely understand 
how detrimental it could be for anyone in their lives to like lack these important connections and everything. And I can a hundred percent see with like technology as well as like the pandemic and everything, how these things would be exacerbated. But I don't know. It's, it, it feels like maybe it's cause it's normal for us because we have lived in a generation where these things have happened. It's crazy to think of like, it, it, I don't know, it feels so normal to experience like intense loneliness and stuff throughout these periods in our lives that it feels weird to think of that ever not being the norm, but clearly it's not the norm because it's an epidemic now. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting because we haven't ever, I mean, we we're like the last generation that really grew up with having at least like some part of our childhood years without the internet. So, I mean, we can imagine like our childhood selves. It makes sense that like we, I don't know, like we, I, I can still remember like calling people up to ask them to play over the phone and like hang out I mean there wasn't really kids on my street so I didn't have that experience in life but like going over to your friend's house and just knocking on the door and being like do you want to hang out so I can understand for sure like how possibly Gen Z would feel like this is part of life for sure that they they have never seen a world without the internet and they've never really had to make they've never had like the sole option of only making connections offline that's always been an option for them and I can see how that like I I can just understand how only having like a lot of online relationships can really make this feel like it, it is just a lonely world where like there's a lot of arguments for people saying that making connections online is like a way to combat that but I in my eyes I feel like making relationships online is just it's not the same as in person or like you might meet someone initially online and like hang out in person and it can can foster that type of like more um I don't know like a deeper level of connection with somebody but just having online relationships always feels parasocial to me um and I could understand why like it's like you, you never like see that person in real life you don't it doesn't like fully make sense to your brain that they're like real if that makes sense that's such a good point I mean I definitely I I've kind of thought about like the fact that it it can feel like a parasocial relationship before and I've never but I haven't thought about the fact that it's very 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 likely not just from like our lived experience but that like literally biologically our brains aren't registering it as that like it's one of those moments as you say that that's making me think of the ways in which our brains just like can't not that they can't, but it's just, I mean, literally impossible to evolve at the speed that technology has evolved and like the changes right. in society as a result. And I feel like that's another one of those things. Like, even though like we have, because of like our consciousness, we might recognize those as like relationships and like friends and whatever that we have online, but our brains and like the chemicals and everything associated with like with, with what you feel when you have connections with people might not actually be activated when you're just having like a parasocial relationship. Right social but you know like it feeling that way from it not being a like quote-unquote like real life type of relationship right yeah yeah Yeah. and like I remember when we were younger I don't even know where I saw this discourse maybe I'm like fabricating it in my head but I really feel like this was like an active active discourse that I would see especially like maybe like I don't know like right like pre-middle school and like especially during middle school and I guess this was still like kind of like before like huge social media happening at least for us like there was Facebook and MySpace and whatever but not like everything that we know now at the time and I remember back then like it seeming like people being able to connect through forums and whatever else 
would actually was actually like beneficial in a lot of ways. It made it seem like it was a way that made people's worlds smaller in good ways like especially people who have like niche interests but like live in rural areas or something like right like, you know wherever you live like you might not have people with like your specific interests so it's really nice that the internet can help you find people who do care about those things like literally for anything even things that are inherently connected via like digital realms like video gaming and stuff and, and so many other things but and even like me when I was younger and this is like my neurodivergent brain especially even in high school, I remember thinking I was getting, I would get so frustrated when, when adults would get like mad at teenagers and stuff with their phones because I felt like it was my safety net because of my social anxiety and everything. Like whenever I'd be out, if I was in a situation where I didn't want to talk to someone or have someone I knew and I just couldn't face them for whatever reason, I could always use my phone as a crutch, which like arguably in that same vein is detrimental because like me like avoiding the fear that I'm supposed to be facing and stuff. And at the same time, like it, it did help keep me safe, like from those situations and would help me, would help me have an avenue to like kind of dissociate in ways that felt helpful at the time. So I hated how adults saw teenagers on their phone and stuff. And at the same time, that was literally by default impairing my socializing. I mean, I didn't actually impair my socializing. Like I had friends and everything, but like by default in those moments, like I wasn't facing my social fears and it was inhibiting my connections in person when I would do that, you know? Cause like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. And I have some like more information on this. Um, Americans, which this is no surprise to me, but, and I don't know when this study specifically was conducted, but I mean, there were so many studies referenced in this in this like statement by the U.S. Surgeon General, and it's all very up to date because the statement came out in 2023, so this year. Okay. And Americans spend an average of six hours on digital media. Um, and obviously, a day? yeah. Or... Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is surprising. I mean, that's like crazy to me, only because I mean, I spend <laughs> for sure that much time <laughs> and more mostly, but like to think of that being the average for and how I have said it depends on like what Americans were in this survey and stuff like that but like overall across generations to spend an hour an average of six hours hours on digital media it's crazy and makes me feel better because usually my usage just on my phone is like eight hours a day so right. at least um but some other things that it says which like are no surprise to us and kind of we were talking about um technology displaces in-person interaction monopolizes our attention reduces the quality of our interactions and diminishes self-esteem. And the last thing in particular, the diminishing self-esteem I've found as I've reflected more on my like, digital use and everything over the past couple of years, we have known for a long time that social media affects our self-esteem by the fact that things that we see on things like Instagram and stuff in particular is like obviously the someone's idealized self and someone's happy experiences and none of the other stuff which makes it hard for our brains to register that there is more than just that happening so we feel bad about ourselves let alone like body image stuff etc but I do feel like the self-esteem part goes beyond that and I, I've yet to figure out exactly what it is and how to describe that but I feel like it affects us even more than the fact that we're just seeing those things that are going to make us feel bad about ourselves I feel like by default the way it affects our brain chemistry like literally because these things do trigger dopamine and other stuff in amounts right. that aren't good for us especially because it, it's like junk food type of dopamine I feel like those things in itself do feed into the lowered self-esteem besides the content that we're seeing itself because we could be seeing like content that is quote unquote like mentally healthy and like more realistic and whatever else and I still although it would be better I still feel like in one way or another it would lower our self-esteem 
Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel that way. Like, I've been trying to follow more, like, body positive accounts just showing, like, what real bodies look like and that type of stuff. And even, like, though the sentiment of that, most of the time, like, it is great. And, oh, I've, like, on top of the body positive stuff, I've been seeing a lot of, like, acne, like, skin positive stuff. So it's, like, even, like, seeing those things when I'm scrolling by I'm like there are times when I just don't want to see that because even like seeing it can trigger thoughts like even though the the post is saying the opposite of what it's triggering it still is like triggering those thoughts just even seeing it for like a second and I'm like even seeing people just posting like their acne to then show a picture of like clear skin I'm like this is triggering me to even just like see that and like get nervous like my brain just jumps to like thinking that that could happen again and like getting triggered all over again seeing that i'm like i sometimes you just gotta log off and like not look for real so i could see like for sure what you mean by the in ways that we don't even actually like recognize yet how it's still lowering our self-esteem that's such a good point like i i hadn't thought about it from that perspective but like you're so right it's like in one way or another seeing that content is still going to trigger something and like the this is getting more like a philosophical, I guess, but I guess, but like the, for example, with the content that you're mentioning, like body positive, acne positive stuff, it's like by default, like having, having the positive added to it and us understanding that as like movements that are great movements that are happening, it by default, like it implies the existence of the things that are negative related to that stuff. Right. So it's like, no matter what our brains are still having to be reminded of these things that do plague us because of like societal norms and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me see what else I wanted to say about this. Oh, also, I mean, this is like, unfortunately comes to no surprise that people from minority groups are more likely to be lonely. And it didn't like, it, it somehow makes intuitive sense. It didn't like exactly specify how, but I can imagine like obviously minority groups, like unfortunately are typically lower income and everything. So like when they typically have to have like less time to make time for friends, they're talking about also just generally in this statement that, um, it's especially hard in like the U.S. when we prioritize things like work and like 80 hour work week sometimes and things like yeah. that. And even like obviously we know that work from home like just inherently would lead to like greater loneliness and stuff. But aside from like just like the obvious part of it, it's also because if you have work from home that you can kind of if you don't have one that's like, you know, based on like specific hours in a day, then you might be doing your work at, at other hours in the day, like later in the day, which would have typically in the past been time to spend with friends and stuff like that. Right, right. And even like during those off hours, there's probably not coworkers working at the same time as you. So like exactly, you're also isolated in that way. Exactly. And um, I also saw in here that, I mean, this also is not really surprising, but um, it says risk can be different across indicators of Indicators of social disconnection. Currently, studies find the highest prevalence for loneliness and isolation among people with poor physical or mental health, disabilities, financial insecurity, those who live alone, single parents, as well as younger and older populations, which like... So everyone. Yeah. So like everyone essentially, (laughs) literally. And it said like with the minority groups that I mentioned, it said 75% of Hispanic adults report feeling lonely, 68% of black adults report feeling lonely. And unfortunately like the number only decreases in people with disabilities because of access um and besides that like i mean this isn't this also isn't very surprising but in some ways i was very surprised let me find the exact statistic hold on 
Um, while the highest rates of social isolation are found among older adults, young adults are almost twice as likely to report feeling lonely than those over 65. And that was both like not surprising at all and also very surprising to me because I feel like a lot of us like have like, I don't know, when I understand like when I've learned about aging almost like in an academic setting and like in more like social psychology, sociological perspectives, I know that it is very sad that a lot of older people, because of like a lot of reasons, they don't have that same like social circle that they once had. And it's like very depressing and sad, but it's crazy to me that even then young, that young adults are twice as likely to, at least according to these studies are twice as likely to say that they're feel lonely than those people who are over 65. And I do feel like that is something that has very much changed in the past like however many years like I don't I have not seen studies of it before this one in particular but that's one of those things that I feel like is highly related to technology and stuff because otherwise there really isn't a reason for us to feel more lonely than someone who's older right right I definitely could see like what I was saying before about how I don't think that online relationships like can be I mean, it depends, obviously. There's, it's complicated, but, like, I don't think that having a lot of online relationships can really be as deep as, like, people that you see in person and, like, can physically interact with and, like, see body language and, like, understand them in that type of way. Like, it just, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of, like, online communities that you might feel connected to, but, like, you don't actually, like, know the people directly in them. And I think that also can lend to feelings of loneliness. Like, I, I, I think of, like, Reddit. Like, sure, you might be active, like, in a subreddit, but, like, do you actually know people in there? And a lot of the times people on Reddit want to stay, like, anonymous. So how can you really be close to someone that you don't even know, like, their name or where they're from or, like, any actual details about them? That's a really good point. And also because, like, on these subreddits and everything, what you're mainly talking – I mean, maybe, like, people still – might like separately then find a relationship with someone platonic or romantic or whatever with like an individual user that they see talk frequently in that subreddit but for the most part that's not the case like you're just talking to you're still engaging in conversation technically but you're just like having a discussion with like random people as opposed to building individual relationships with these people and therefore more intimate ones yeah that's very interesting and i read in one of the articles talking about the loneliness epidemic which just also is of no surprise but like it really is so I, – I, this is one of those things that would actually be very interesting to study from a more philosophical and, like, social psychology perspective. It's very interesting how the nuance of communication that you get in person via tone of language, body language, and stuff like that. I know how that – it's like I've always understood how that improves communication, obviously, because language is just a tool for us to communicate, and there's so much more that we can communicate as well on top of words that are necessary. But – it's crazy how that in itself also creates more connection. And I'm not entirely sure how, because even in, in situations that like you're not expressing necessarily physical affection in those moments at all, there just is something so different about having like a person in front of you. And even yeah. like somewhere in the middle, even like picking up the phone and calling someone, even that is a step above what it's like to communicate via text or email or whatever else. Right. Right. I, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense right for sure the last thing i'll say which i mean this kind of goes without saying for and this is the same thing with a lot of like psychological phenomena that that's kind of like loneliness and other depressing things but there are a lot of risks that 
associated with loneliness that affect our physical health. So this article talked about how loneliness is similar to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah, I read that too. Like, holy like, shit. That's actually insane. That's insane. So, like 15, are you fucking for, like, I, I, like, I understand the comparison they're giving and how like this psychological phenomenon can still have that type of toll on our physical body. But like, it's not even three cigarettes a day, which still adds up 15. <laughs> right. like, oh, 15. so this just killing us. Like, what the fuck? Like, damn. Like, for that, in a whole pack. Literally lung cancer on like, three times speed <laughs> um and it talks about how loneliness can increase the risk of premature death by 26 percent raise the likelihood of heart disease stroke anxiety depression and dementia and more interestingly it can also lead to more polarization and lessen our ability to come together to address major humanitarian issues like climate change and economic inequality to name a few and that yeah. is also very concerning. And that makes sense. I mean, like, I don't know, the more time that you spend alone, the more time, the less time that you spend in community and everything, then just naturally you're going to have like less viewpoints that you come across. And especially if people are mainly engaging online, like why would someone engage online in forums and stuff with, with things that they disagree with, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just like incel. Exactly. The whole incel community. Literally incel 101. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I wanted to touch on, like from my perspective of what I could think is potentially adding to like people in their twenties, um, rising like loneliness status kind of is hyper individualism, which I know, or like, yeah, like hyper individualism, hyper independence, that type of thing. Cause I know for myself, like I've talked before about how like, proud I am of myself for being independent and like liking to be alone but I think that that type of mindset can so easily turn into this hyper individualism that like merges with your personality and then like wanting to branch out wanting to get into relationships can almost make you feel like you're like like not I don't know like you're like disobeying or like acting the opposite of of that and you're kind of like not being true to who you are it can it can like make these really complicated thoughts come up and be like I don't know like it's almost like you're sh like shaming yourself or like feeling guilty for wanting those things even though that's like completely natural and like obviously your brain wants that for a reason um but I yeah like I feel like a lot of people in their 20s especially post-pandemic are probably dealing with feeling that way because I mean I, I think a lot of people are in the, during the pandemic went from being super extroverted to like really finding comfort and being introverted and like being alone because um, I know a lot of people who were like forced to be alone for the first time in their lives during the pandemic and I think a lot of people have like found that to be comfortable for them uh, myself included but I think that that then obviously leads to people feeling really lonely and it can be hard to like break out of those feelings once you already are in that. Because I know for myself, like now I'm so used to being alone that I find it hard to compromise my alone time because I'm like I that's something that I like love to have and to compromise that in place of like having another person there to spend time with. I like get nervous about how long they're going to be there and like how much alone time they're going to take away from me basically. Um, 
which this is all like my own stuff too that I <laughs> that I know I need to work on but like um yeah I think that that could also be like increasing people's feelings of loneliness it's just all these complicated feelings of like not knowing if you should feel ashamed of wanting to have a relationship especially women who are or like femme people who have been taught that wanting to have a relationship or like like wanting intimacy is like being needy which I know we've talked about before um so like then you have those feelings of not wanting to appear as that type of person and then you like end up diminishing yourself and those feelings to compromise to have someone like you or whatever it is but I think that there's a lot of complicated feelings in your 20s not even related to this stuff but just like not knowing who you are and feeling like lost and like you're still trying to figure yourself out in this in this era of your life I think that a lot of that lends itself to feeling lonely and like isolated that's that's a really good point and I feel like in our generation um with like technology as well as like everything everything that we discussed and the pandemic and everything have really amplified all of those things and I can see what you mean by it creating some sort if you start to identify with that sort of like oh I'm independent I love doing things by myself by myself etc which kind of by default happens if you spend a lot of time alone like whether you want to or not it does kind of become like a part of your identity then it does feel like it creates some sort of like complicated like dissonance within you when it's like when one you even think about wanting anything different and like you said as like women like femme people it then there's like the added societal pressure of how you want to not just be viewed by other people but by yourself like you want to be this independent person and not needing anything from anyone but then it's like well no we're also like social creatures who like do actually need that stuff to be our best selves and thrive and be happy and everything and healthy but it's it's hard to find that like balance and we've had such extremes which have been forced upon us with these like things like the pandemic and stuff then it's even more it's even harder to break out of and something that I've experienced like I've always been someone that's been more like in terms of romantic relationships like romantic life more relationship oriented but something I feared for a while as I was trying to find someone to be in a relationship with like someone that would be a compatible partner I struggled so much with like the the thought of it's like I didn't want to like fully establish my routine as a single person because it's like then it's going to be that much harder to introduce someone into my life. And that right. that was difficult to do. It's like it's like I had wanted that for so long and then I did I was like fuck it, I have to just adapt to being single and that was good. I'm so happy to do that. I'm so happy that I did that. It was very useful. At the same time, it's like are you kidding me? Like I have to I have to do all this <laughs> stuff and now it's going to suck having to incorporate someone, you know? Like it's it's right. hard. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean we didn't even touch on like actual dating apps and how that has lent itself to become a huge epicenter for loneliness. Um, I'm like, I don't know if we want to talk about that. We, now can, or t- we can talk about it. We can talk about okay. it more like some other time for sure. Cause I'm, there's a yeah. lot to say, but we can like kind of talk about it. I definitely didn't like research anything about it for this specific episode, but just like from experience, so many things about that can make you feel so lonely in the way that you're going about like finding that connection and also which this is something that we can definitely talk about in another episode like the illusion of choice and everything like yeah having so many people on dating apps which happens on any dating app but like the 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 worst one in my opinion for that illusion of choice is tinder which is why i stay off tinder now because it's like there are so many people that i would just like swipe for hours in the past right yeah and it's right it's like having that 
it's just it's too much for our brains to process it and in one way or another it does dehumanize people that we're seeing it makes it so much harder to connect not just because you're connecting digitally but also because people naturally feel less of like a commitment to you or any sort of like owing you anything in the way that would be respectful in those settings because they haven't seen you in person so you're just naturally are kind of less of a person to them to begin right. with yeah yeah i mean like in my case i know like it feels like people along with like feeling already like hy- maybe hyper independent or just like being independent in general like being used to being alone i think that it's hard for people to like find find the time or even just like find that like spark within themselves to actually like commit to wanting to find people on an app so then it's like okay you spend one day at least in my case I'm like I'll spend one day having the motivation to go on these apps I'll like scroll through people which already makes me feel like shit because I'm like it's impossible to not objectify people when you're literally like yeah presented only with a photo and 140 characters of their bio but then it's like okay I'll sit there maybe message one person and then just never open the app again for like three months. And I know like I, I'm, I think that that's the case for a lot of people because I don't be getting messages back on there. I'm like, I know people just like don't go on here. Um, and if you're in an area where there is already not a lot of people on the dating apps, then it sucks. Yeah. Like it, it just makes you feel like there's no one. It's like if you can't find somebody on a dating app, then it's like, how am I going to find someone in real life? Yeah, seriously, because you have so many options on a dating app, especially if you're in a right. bigger city or just a bigger area in general. It, it feels so difficult. And it feels like a, and I, I know friends who I know some friends who have done this before and there's nothing wrong with it. <clears throat> but I know that some people use dating apps sometimes as more of like a I'm bored type of thing, which is fine. Yeah. Like that's that's fair. I understand in the past when I was like trying to find someone that was something that was very heartbreaking for me because it's like, I'm on this, like actively like trying to find someone and people, I can't blame them, but, and I understand it much more now, but back then it would be upsetting because like other people really just do just use it when they're bored. And a lot of those people I've seen like can, not that I can't, I obviously can, but like those people tend to still find people in real life, but it's like, they just go on apps when like they're bored and stuff like that, which again is fine, but also then creates like, a greater a greater sense of loneliness of seeing that there aren't people you're on a dating app which has so many options and just continuously seeing people who or at least aren't acting like they're looking for the same thing as you're looking for is also really sad and lonely yeah Yeah, it can make you feel like i'm the only person who actually wants to date someone right even though that's not true but like your brain will jump to that conclusion after having that happen with like a bunch of i don't know with a with several people at least on dating apps right yeah. also so something, something that would be interesting oh my god my i'm not sick but what the fuck is this my voice going out right now too <clears throat> something that would also be like oh something that would be interesting for us to explore too is when we talk more about dating apps is that like i feel like a lot of people not actually not that many people that i know but every time that i've been actually on dating apps again there's always like and when i've gone on dates like there's always someone who there's nothing wrong with this necessarily but who kind of sees like dating apps as like embarrassing like the fact that like you met them on dating apps and stuff which is also very interesting i know that our group chat has just a couple times like talked about that in the past but it yeah it's i don't really know how to feel about that i've never seen it that way and it's like some part of me like fundamentally can kind of understand why someone wants to keep that like hush hush but then at the same time i really don't find that 
embarrassing. And it's, it's interesting to me that some people who actively use them too would find it embarrassing, but it's like in our day and age, it's so normal to be on dating apps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know if maybe like the older generation only really knows about like Tinder. So yeah. maybe they think it's more like, oh, you guys met because you fucked and then <laughs> you started dating. <laughs> they might <laughs> think of it as that way. But yeah, I know there are a lot of people, not a lot, but like even one of the articles I was reading today was like, oh, now it's like so normal to meet on dating apps. You can like unashamedly say that you met. I'm like, you don't have to have shame at any point right. during history saying that stuff. I don't know why we have to make that seem like it's a thing. Right. And it would definitely make more sense to me if you're speaking to like older generations or just older generations themselves saying it some type of way, even more so if like they were associating it, associating it with like older types of online dating, like dating sites and stuff like eHarmony and whatever, even though, I mean, I still think there's anything embarrassing about that, but I can see how that would, that was definitely more taboo back then in the same way that people just saw like communication online with like quote unquote strangers was like weird in some way. And for us, that feels so normal, but it is interesting to me when like people our age, even when not talking to older generations still feel like like I had an, yeah. an ex-partner who like would it wasn't an ever an actual issue at all but an ex-partner was like when we were like going to meet up with someone one time like in their life they were like oh yeah I don't say that we met on blank and it's like and I was like okay but it's like why <laughs> you know like I mean we did yeah. like I don't really get why that's embarrassing but I don't know it's interesting and I feel like there's like something behind that that I just don't quite understand and it's not even like that big of a thing compared to other things that we've discussed in this episode but still of interest when we talk more about dating apps yeah I don't know maybe I don't I think we have talked about like the lonely hearts club how that was like the original like not online dating obviously because it was in the newspapers back in like the 1900s but I think maybe people like historically thought that it was seen as like quote unquote like the desperate thing yes, to do even so though right. that like it's really not but i think people saw it that way for whatever reason because it's like the unchristian thing basically it probably has to do with that type of shit so i think maybe that type of view has just like historically carried forward that's a really good I don't point know. there's definitely some type of like i don't know religiosity up in there related to the way that we see these things for sure that has like subconsciously gotten into the brains of people who think that it is embarrassing even if like they're our age to say that and yeah right. i think that there is some like element of seeing it as like desperate or something when it's like no those people are being resourceful <laughs> right just let people find love literally they want to. like Ex- we don't need to police that exactly yeah I don't have anything else to add for our episode right now, but <laughs> if you do. Um, I don't think so. My nose is getting increasingly oh, no. co- more congested. <laughs> like, it's Why is it like hard to swallow when you're super congested? I know what you're talking about. And I don't know. Why, I know that it's all connected, but if your actual throat isn't congested, then I really don't understand why. But I know right? I know the obstruction that you're talking about. And it's like Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what get it out. Literally. Get out of here. <laughs> well, there's like nothing in there. <laughs> 
thank you guys for listening. Um, you can listen to our podcast on any of your like streaming platforms. Um, as usual, please leave us like a review on any of the things that you listen on any of the platforms that you listen to us on. And I know that on Spotify they have a Q and A feature now, so you can ask us like to I don't know ask us about anything that we've talked about, ask us about things that you want us to explore in the future, and you can follow us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, um, and yeah, we have or. We're trying, as as usual, trying to be better about posting consistently. <laughs> and when that happens, which it will happen, um, we post every other Tuesday. Bye.